0: This is Making It Up, a weekly culture news podcast focused on analyzing and debating whatever comes up of interest in creative culture, brought to you by Macon. I'm Sharice Poon and my co-host is Eugene Can. The format of this podcast is a light like catch up and then two main items of news, one chosen by Eugene and one chosen by myself.
1: So we pick our topics from the Macon briefing, which is an email newsletter we send out twice a week filled with current news, interesting links, and more analysis of culture. I'm making it up, we talk through the things we're most interested in and try to come to some sort of col- <laughs> and try to come to some sort of- It's the first time reading it. I'm making it up, we talk through the things we're most interested in and try to come to some kind of conclusion on the state of culture, media, tech, food, whatever it may be in our modern times.
0: You can reread it at the end if that no, will make you it. feel better.
1: I'm gonna keep it. And yeah. I'll let people know that I fucked it up too. <laughs> Might as well.
0: I write you scripts and then you just don't, you just want to ignore them.
1: All right. How often do you think you make new friends in Hong Kong? Define. Use whatever sort of a uh, definition you want to use.
0: If we're talking lasting friendships, then I'll probably only make a new friend every six months. That already seems like overkill because I've been in Hong Kong five years. That means I've made 10 I think regardless of the city, do
1: you... I wonder if that number increases or diminishes in different cities around the world.
0: That's an interesting question. I mean, when you first move, you make a lot of friends. You meet a lot of people.
1: Or you don't. In what situation would you I not? I think that's very conditionally dependent.
0: I assume that, okay, for me, what personally. If you, yeah,
1: When I was you working in a job that doesn't provide you the opportunity to meet a, right, right, a bunch of different right. people? So
0: obviously when I moved to Hong Kong and then I started working at type beast, I immediately gained many new friends at once.
1: That is not the norm. Because think about it, you share a common interest with all these people around the same age as you. That's true. Imagine if you're in banking.
0: First of all, if I was trying to imagine that I was in in banking, I'd have a hard time imagining all of these other (laughs) extraneous things besides the fact that I wouldn't be making friends.
1: Well, no, let's use this example. How many people did you hang out from your dragon boat?
0: team as in outside of the actual sport yeah maybe five
1: so they are friends they're friends okay just checking
0: five is a pretty good number yeah
1: five is a lot i'd say
0: yeah five is a lot how many of your footy friends do you hang out with do you have friends
1: i don't hang out with any of them outside of do they listen to this podcast i don't think so
0: okay you're safe you should use a coaster
1: (sighs) hold on a second dejectedly throws down headphones
0: what conversation did you have last week with a person whose first name I don't think I can pronounce?
1: I'm gonna go with Bezod. And no, you know what's interesting? I was looking back on it, and, and as I was cutting last week's podcast, I was like, actually, a little bit uncomfortable. I was like, man, do I even really know what I'm talking about?
0: When we were talking about Jay Z? Yeah.
1: I was like, I, I felt like all the ideas were there, but I couldn't put uh. the best foot forward. But then I realized, hey, this is kind of a good thing because it is sort of the premise behind making it up where, yeah. you're kind of trying to figure stuff out on the spot. Maybe it's also a reflection of not being properly prepared. But ultimately, like I think that, and this is kind of weird. I, I feel like every week I go into this sort of like deep existential thing, but it's like, I every feel like week.
0: that's you every day. I,
1: I feel like it's good to be like embarrassed more I, often than not, and like be okay with that feeling of not being in the best light. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I th- that's a good attribute. And I sort of brought this up with you, but Stanley was telling me that I needed to be more open minded because we got into a very heated discussion where apparently I wasn't open to being wrong. You don't have to frame it as embarrassment. It's okay to be wrong in public, yeah. which is what this podcast is.
1: I think that's something that I've really thought about more recently. Every so often, like we'll talk about like psychedelics and like through an article, whatever we put in the briefing, the underlying mechanism behind that is sort of to unbreak bonds, right?
0: Yeah. To be uninhibited.
1: Yes. And I think that's why it's good to just put yourself out there and not always feel as though everything needs to be perfect. There's certain times when you're doing something and you feel as though you've made a big mistake. Or you're not doing a good job or you're not sure where to go, like trajectory wise. And I think most people kind of get really caught up in that. And I, I mean, I do too, right? Like you're like, oh man, I, I feel like I'm not moving as fast as I should. Or I wish I was further faster. It also is kind of reinforced by social media. Well, it's not, It, it it's kind of, it is reinforced, right? Like we only really ever see your best foot forward. Mm. At the end of the day, sometimes you just need to like understand where you are within the bigger picture versus like where you are zoomed in. But I've been thinking about that a lot lately.
0: I mean you've been thinking about you think about a lot of things. I do think about a lot
1: of things. What else did I have to talk about? Oh man, we totally got sidetracked. So No, that's
0: not sidetracked because that is No,
1: because the Jay-Z thing, I think whatever I felt was sort of the the angle or, or perspective I wanted to take, Bezod basically came in and like dropped the mic on yeah, my behalf
0: on the mackens luck
1: yeah do you, can you read read his comment it's in the fashion footwear section scroll yes. up yes
0: he said so you shared the link and you just asked what are all your thoughts on this and then he said let's start with how wide of a role a creative director actually is in practice then compound that with the fact that jay has a num- fair number of competing priorities I have all sorts of questions and concerns. What will he actually do? How much time and headspace will be spent on Puma? Even if he has a magical vision, how quickly can Puma mobilize? Even if they are successful in creating that, how well will it be received? People only have so much time, attention, and money. Where are we taking from to give this to Puma? Consider me highly skeptical. Yes, I agree that this is well-written, but the difference between us doing this podcast and someone commenting in Slack is that they have more time to think and write their thoughts. Hey, maybe Whereas maybe that we're was a one taker. Just spitballing. Maybe that a was a one taker. That's true. We don't know. I'm just trying to. But give everything you said
1: there were things that I I felt strongly about. Not to steal his thunder, but like no, things no. I couldn't articulate.
0: I mean, he didn't hear the podcast when he said that, but actually, I can attest that his questions are similar to yours. But I get what you're saying that at the time during the episode, you were not quite able to put it
1: in these exact words. I was happy that I at least ended up somewhere.
0: Yeah. I wanted to bring up another digital conversation I had with someone familiar with Macon. Craig Maud on Twitter had an exchange with me about the Hinoki story. It was kind of revealing, this is a bit of a UX UI discussion, it's kind of revealing to me what some users might perceive of our site. And I forget that because... We obviously use the site every day and stare at it every day. Yeah. So we forget that maybe some things are not obvious. I can
1: also share a little anecdote after you're done.
0: Yeah, and so he thought that our Hinoki story was really short because he only looked at the text blurb and didn't hit play. And he made the assumption that the audio was a direct reflection of the text, which I can understand because nowhere it, does it say it's not. And also that's
1: how you usually see sound bars.
0: Yes, Yes. exactly. And we don't have any indicator of how long the audio is. Yeah. So he thought it was like a 250-word piece, which admittedly would have been very strange when in actuality it's a 20-minute audio
1: story. If you look at the experience within Macon, actually it's virtually unchanged from the first prototype, which is going on like probably two or three years now. So, you know, shout outs to good old Justin Gorman, BK, Tim, Zach, like... All those guys put in some amazing work. Audio was never meant to be part of the original experience. It was more like a module. It's been punching above its weight or been utilized in a way that maybe wasn't necessarily meant to be its actual application.
0: Yeah, I understand. So that's
1: definitely something we're changing and it's nice. It's kind of interesting this gets brought up because we're hoping to relaunch something new upcoming. I say that with such a lackluster voice.
0: Well, I think it's not exciting yet to us because we're not quite at
1: well, you never get excited about anything.
0: I don't think that's true. Okay. Anyways, I think we get excited about stuff. You get excited about very little on the topic of things that you get excited about. I think I get the most excited about stories that I publish on people who I'm very, who I want to support, who I'm keen on. And that happened yesterday because I finally published our story about Gion, which is Takuma Inoue's project in Kyoto that supports local culture and holds really interesting multicultural events and is looking for tenants that are that buy into this idea of fostering um Kyoto creatives so that gets me excited more than the fact that we're launching so, so, a site. What's, so
1: what's interesting <laughs> is that the backstory behind how Takumi and I met was pretty random you know i I think I've actually told this story before, but
0: on this podcast
1: might have I don't know maybe it had something to do with Sarah's story
0: no oh, okay yeah
1: We were, I was in Kyoto just on a vacation and I was just like randomly updating my Instagram story. Something I actually don't really do all that often. I usually do it more when I'm traveling, to be honest. And I just get this random message and I was like, this guy's like, hey, how's it going? I saw you're in Kyoto. Do you want to meet up? And I mean, it's kind of random to have someone hit you up and meet them up.
0: I'm not that surprised that this happens
1: to you though. Anyways, it happened. So we this met This is up. not
0: the only time this has happened to you in your life.
1: So we met up later that night at this bar called Sour, which he helped design, which does these fruit chew highs. Which so, we
0: just talked about last episode. Yeah, this is
1: this is weird. Anyways. Yeah, so met up and fast forward, he was one of the reasons why Sour did a pop-up at Yardbird, and now there's talk of something going on. In Kyoto with Yardbird. So it's all sort of this full circle thing.
0: Yeah. And it's just
1: random because I decided to meet somebody on like a two hour's notice. It's really cool. I've stopped getting excited about places, but I do get really excited about people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think so. places like travel doesn't really excite me anymore. It's more the people and their stories and the culture that they can hopefully share.
0: It gets me excited too.
1: <laughs> you don't sound excited.
0: Do I not? We're hella
1: low energy today maybe cuz i just had lunch
0: i don't i don't think i'm low maybe i am there's construction in the flat above me so
1: that's what i woke up to okay i'll go first my topic this week talks about grailed and how it just raised 15 million dollars in investment money so the new york times article highlights grailed kind of from a from a back end standpoint of who they are what they do and just the general sort of state of affairs of grailed if you're unfamiliar with grailed in the words of the New York Times, it's a platform for buying, selling, and swapping clothing and accessories. It it was originally created in 2013 by Arun Gupta, Jake Metzer, and Julian Connor. So I think the way some people have described it is like a more hyped eBay, no way. Uh,
0: or, and the article goes into this, it is a sleeker. Way to get the things done that were previously happening in forums, where people were swapping items anyway. Yeah, and then this is a this is a central gathering place yes. with some measures of security. And
1: well, I can get into that later. Yeah. I mean, so the underlying sort of business mechanism for Grailed is they charge a six percent commission on sales between members, not including PayPal fees. So it's actually quite expensive in the grand scheme of things. Um, the
0: items are expensive too. Like the items that Grailed is interested in featuring and that consumers usually me, go to Grailed to, to
1: find. Let me get to that. So all the listings are user generated. So you have sort of this wide gamut of quality in terms of photography, descriptions, etc. cetera. And arguably this is part of its weakness. I mean, there's a ton of listings, but sometimes there's a lot of... Questionable is not really the word. I think there's a lot of things that get people a little bit. Well,
0: so are all things that are user generated because you can't control the masses. It is what it is.
1: Yeah. So like everything from fulfillment to authenticity is kind of left in the hands of people that are making the transaction. Right. So people complain about the cost of shipping being too high, which arguably is a, is sort of built in by sellers because they're always sort of like prepared to get lowballed which is another part of the whole grilled experience also authenticity kind of falls into the hands of admins who i mean you're kind of going off photo references right you can't really see the product in real life from what i gather it hasn't really been all that good of an experience for certain people
0: i've never used
1: it i've never used it but i've always been aware of it Oh I mean, I have been it.
0: aware of it for a while yeah. since its inception, which so is, is fairly young.
1: It feels kind of weird for me to talk too specifically about its sort of downfalls. What's interesting is I've been having this sort of side dialogue in the Macon Slack community with Cody S. And he's a really big fan of Izvam. And what's interesting is that for him, Grail has provided him sort of this this ability to preserve his investment. So what that means is that like, the resale value of Visvum, for example, uh, maybe it's just by virtue of the brand also having a lot of, a lot of brand value. So it might also be by virtue of the fact that Visvum tends to keep its value quite well. What it allows you to do is to obviously invest in a Visvum piece. And if you want to sell it down the line, it generally holds its value. As I was hearing him explain it, it sounds a lot like the watch world where there's certain watches where you could wear it for a year and there's a marginal drop, maybe an even maybe even an increase in price. So I think that's really interesting. But beyond that, being that sort of a positive use case, I'm I'm interested to see what this means for I guess the future of fashion in a way. Because despite the fact there are a lot of like high-end items on the site, I feel as though there's like a representation only at the extremities. So what that means is that like it's either really expensive items that are just there hoping like someone will buy them or things are continually slashed and marked down. Like if you go on the site, like some things get marked down like four times. Right. And I think that is cause for concern. Um, there's a piece that style zeitgeist Eugene Rapkin wrote, I think it was 2016. And he just talks about how it undermines the sort of connection between a buyer and a brand brand slash designer. So basically like, you know, you've taken everything from, you know, let's say it's a high-profile designer, you've basically reduced it to, you know, almost like bottom of the bin, like a discount.
0: Got it, got it, got it. Actually, what's interesting to me is totally different from what's interesting to you. One thing that's interesting to me about Grailed is that I know this is not exactly in their mission, but it is a bit of a environmental cause because it's keeping a pool of products circulating. As opposed to generating new products, right? Like it supports that. It doesn't stop new products from appearing, but it supports an ecosystem where people are resharing existing things. So, which I think is a good thing, you know. And obviously, other sites do this, but I think having more places where that there's that infrastructure and that mentality is healthy for all of us as consumers. And the thing that is interesting to me about this piece, which is. The thing that it started with is that it closed $15 million and that it's 37 employees, which both things were slightly surprising to me. Like the scale, first of all, that they have that big of a team running the site, like I didn't think that was evident to yeah. me.
1: And is then, that a knock on them or just a neutral comment? I think they invest a lot in editorial, but I mean, that is something that doesn't necessarily. I mean, I guess it's announced. a little
0: bit of a knock, but. There are obviously elements of this that are like a store side. So employees could include, you know, things like handling products and verification. And it's not all jobs like editorial and yeah. technical, right? Which, like, I just don't think you need that big of a technical team.
1: And uh, that I, I can't comment on. But anyway, but, this is
0: my personal judge. Yeah. All I can say is, like, I didn't expect them to be that yeah. big yeah. or to be able to raise. That much money. So I don't know what it says I mean, exactly about fashion, but there are definitely a lot of people who are willing to bet on this.
1: I didn't really want to take it to this kind of point in the conversation or focus too much on it, but there's sort of these shortcomings within Grilled, and I'm curious if money is a solution to them. So these these problems include like, oh, perpetual lowballing, like just the general community now. Um, the types of people that are frequenting the site and the the sort of perspective people are placing within. So, like I've I've been on. I recently joined uh, Jeremy Kirkland's Blamo Slack community, and people were actually curious about creating sort of a buy sell channel, mm. and and people were kind of lamenting why Grail wasn't really working for them.
0: Well, I don't know. I think this is indicative of the culture at large because I think Grailed and this is slightly addressed in the article attracts will inevitably attract a subsection of people that are not wholesome not yeah do you know what I mean like they
1: yeah so like I guess now this I'm is the one I- at
0: loss for words but I just understand that Grailed being what it is about streetwear Buy, sell, yeah. swapping is gonna attract yeah. these people that you don't that I personally would not want to interact yeah. with.
1: I mean the two things that are sort of glaring are I'm sure there's more, but the ones that I've sort of through my research have sort of garnered is that the lowballing element of it. And I think the the quality of people buying.
0: I think what the money can solve is in human resources. So it, having community managers that are very on top of things that are willing to stop um, inappropriate behavior or behavior that is unhealthy but that's to kind the marketplace of like,
1: but what is like how do you do that is it like oh you know what
0: you actually go in and police every individual user that's what it is
1: based on lowballing that you can't really do that how I can think you put I mean you could put in like a structure where hey you know what you can't lowball for more than
0: why can you not? I Why mean, can't you?
1: You wouldn't even need. I mean, you just. You in can a strongly
0: route. discourage. It's your platform. It's not like a public service.
1: Yeah, it's um, your platform.
0: You can say you've been doing X, Y, Z on X number of products over time, and we see this as malicious intent. Do you I know what I mean? I don't
1: think so. I don't think because think about it, all you would do. De- all you would need to do, and it would fundamentally change the. The market dynamics is that like, hey, if I post something for a hundred bucks and like it would be almost an easy fix where I will not accept anything less than this. It's almost maybe it's even just a best offer thing. You know what I mean? Like I think that's less of an issue because I actually was one of the things I wanted to bring up because I don't think money really solves that because there's probably ways of fixing that.
0: Well, again, I think what the money solves is having people who enforce rules.
1: But lowballing is not really a rule. Like it's not really like a an infringement.
0: There must Because no can, one really
1: knows. Like, how, how do I, if I have something that's, you know, 500 bucks and I offer you 100 bucks for it? Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's really a violation of rules because this is like, you're basically facilitating an interaction.
0: Okay. But fine. But Maybe rule is I, too hard line, but I still think that it could be possible to have humans involved in mediating these relationships. because you're say, what it sounds to me like you are saying is that there's no way to fix this problem.
1: I think there's there's ways to fix it but I don't think it's the biggest issue within it. Okay. Okay. So that's why like I think that that to me was like just kind of running through the laundry list. Okay, but continue. I think I think the other one that's probably the more glaring one is like authenticity of products because like I've heard people say that they made two deals and they got chargebacks because people said it wasn't authentic. This is going to be very challenging because this never runs through the hands of Grailed, right? So there's no authenticity team. Like, Sorry, I'm so,
0: not entirely clear about the details of this transaction. So a reputable seller yeah. sold authentic products that you know are authentic, and then the consumer said they're not and sent them back.
1: And I think there's, they just went through buyer protection. What does that mean? So basically like, oh, if... If you buy something and either you don't receive the item or the item you received is significantly not as described, you can get your money back.
0: Is there but I feel like wouldn't the solution to this be similar to how eBay and Amazon and all of these other marketplaces work where there's you review buyers and consumers. Yeah. And eventually this will weed out bad players. It's not unsolvable.
1: It's not unsolvable, but then it's just like, it's like a throwaway account. You can always do that, right? I guess what what they lack right now is maybe a sort of friction point to create a level of accreditation. Mm,
0: Got it. So that's what I'm trying
1: to get at. Like what's different in a grilled sort of element versus like, let's say StockX or like Goat is that the product runs through their hands. Got so they, it. So there's authenticity there that's associated with it.
0: Got it. I don't know how I wound up in this position where I feel like I'm now defending Grail which I have no stake in. But it seems like you are just very down on it.
1: I'm not down. I'm just I'm just interested to to see how they'll solve those challenges because I think there are fundamental issues that exist. So, and I think you'll you you know for a fact that luxury has always needed to combat authenticity of its product for the sake of business and for the sake of brand equity. So what role will Grail play? I mean, I'm also very interested in Eugene Rapkin's argument that it, it's basically a race to the bottom and things.
0: Who is Eugene Rapkin's? Styles oh, like oh, right, right.
1: Yeah, yeah. right. So I think that that's an interesting argument in itself. Right. I, I That's the thing is I'm trying to find a balanced perspective on this where some people find a lot of value because it allows them to offload product that you know they, they wanted to quote unquote test drive, you might be able to try out things.
0: What would you say is the main appeal of Grilled? To a regular person, not you. Not you personally.
1: I think that it's the ability for you to continually rotate your wardrobe and to have an outlet for it. And the fact that I use the word outlet is probably subconscious.
0: Did you read what one of the partners at Index Ventures said?
1: It kind of strikes
0: me as a strange thing to say.
1: Is it about how people want connection with their clothing?
0: Yeah. So he says, The reason Grailed has done so well and grown organically is that there's this incredible need by millennials in particular to connect themselves with these cult items of clothing. You see it in the way that the community responds to what they're doing. Really what we want to do is recognize that.
1: Or is it the fact that it's cheap? I'm just throwing that out there.
0: Well, I also just find it strange because... In this statement from the investor, it read to me like, we recognize that millennials are all over this and we want to get a piece of that. Yeah, maybe. Like it doesn't read to me as community building yeah. or culture
1: yeah. supportive. But I, I mean, I, I do really enjoy the, the editorial side of Grilled when it does come across my table. Like I don't, I don't seek it out but when I do see it I think they have a pretty good grasp of how they can tell stories within within fashion but what's interesting too is that like you know this this also falls back upon what what was sort of addressed in the outlier story we did right now fashion is generally speaking more about individualized product versus building worlds so worlds inherently have a story right Yeah. so what does it mean if like let's say just making this up the last five years for the next forever indefinite period of time, there are no real sort of s- stories being told or worlds being built. It's more like a hyped product. Yeah. So at some point in time, like what story you can tell? But I mean, at the end of the day, like the grail definitely has like a purpose and a need. Don't get me wrong. Like I think people are going to find value there. I'm just curious.
0: I mean, because it's, more- it is a solution to a problem that was existing that's why it's necessary yeah until someone comes along and does it better
1: which i think there are definite competitors yeah not competitors i think there's solutions but the one thing that still i don't really know how to solve is that that element of transaction and authenticity because i think that is very difficult to scale so it's kind of like the whole spotify thing right where every single transaction incurs a cost because you need to verify it well, just like yeah. every play has like a cost, right? Yeah. I yeah, I think there's definitely a way to, to make this a lot cheaper. And there's a lot of options that are probably not ready for prime time, but I think are popping up where the fees are much lower. Yeah. But there's a, those are also very general. Like I think, well, I mean, this is sort of uh, I hate to take it there, but there are a lot of token projects that are doing decentralized marketplaces.
0: You take every conversation to this point.
1: Well, I'm just saying like the thing that doesn't inherently protect grailed is that they aren't the kind of key holders of trust. Right? Yeah. Whereas like in StockX or GOAT like they are the ones putting down resources to authenticate. Yeah. So no, I'm- That is kind of the part that I'm curious about.
0: What is the conclusion to be drawn
1: here? I think that there's going to be several potential pathways that could be drawn up from where grailed could go from here on out and as you can tell i'm like kind of like drawing on my words because i'm trying to deliberate in my head i think on the one hand it'll probably just continue on its path because i think at scale you're just generally going to have to appeal to more and more people like you'll probably lose some of that community aspect where before it was very tightly curated only the most passionate were selling on grilled but as witnessed through some of the murmurs like I think the people that are really passionate about clothing and fashion beyond the hype, they're looking for other options.
0: I think the conclusion I'm gonna draw from this piece of news is if fifteen million is able to be number. raised because I think it's a lot of money, and I think it's important otherwise we would have talked about Grailed earlier. If that much money exists to go into the solution grilled provides, then that money exists for similar solutions and better solutions. So I think what is interesting to look out for, because we've been talking a lot about how Grail could be better, is is it possible for a new, more nimble company to see the way that they've done things and decide, actually, we have an alternative.
1: I just don't know if money solves the problems that I had sort of... uh, That's what uh, I was
0: saying, is that the money is just proof that there is room that there is a market yeah. for other people in this realm. Also it's so weird that you would say that money doesn't solve it because I feel like we talk about money solving things all the time. No it does
1: but like money doesn't doesn't solve culture. Do you know
0: what I mean? Well I mean some I don't do
1: You know what I mean? How do you how do you Basically, you need to. I can't create... believe we were
0: we were trying to close up, and then here you are, just ripping another hole.
1: No, money money can definitely solve something, but I think that it doesn't. It can't change social fabric, like the way things are are, are laid out.
0: I think that it's it's not money changes culture, but that money leads to people who work to change the culture.
1: But that's the thing is like a, a marketplace inherently needs buyers and sellers the scale in which you operate and you need to bring those people in so I think that I know but you now, can
0: bring people in and then encourage a certain type of behavior I know that that's hard to scale but that's what needs to be done
1: yeah so let's put it this way in closing whatever solution arises needs to solve the culture of lowballing like how would you remove that secondly the matter of authenticity thirdly cost is relatively expensive as per some people's comments and I think there's a fourth one that I have I'm not sure if I remember I
0: don't really see cost as a problem but continue
1: well like it's relatively expensive
0: but that's what the nature of the products are
1: no 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 like the transaction costs oh sorry. fees cost fees, of fees. fees got it sorry um and then I think I mean you you obviously need quality items
0: I think that's a I think the last three minutes is a fine enough conclusion. And if we just continue, it will devolve into more disagreement.
1: All right. All right. Move on.
0: open up my topic for this week. I want to ask you if you have your CV. No. Do you have a CV? No. You really don't have like a PDF on
1: hand? Why would I need a CV? I don't
0: know. Do you not? Don't people have those things ready? Think about,
1: I've been, I was at, I was at Hypebeast for eight and a half years and then I, I mean, would I give a CV to Alex? (laughs) Like...
0: Darn, that totally, you know, you just ruined my opening activity, which was we were going to trade CVs and comment on each other. I honestly
1: think I was like maybe solicited once or twice for a job at Hypebeast. And I think I tried once just because someone told me to. What do you mean? Like someone asked if I wanted to try to get a job somewhere else. I think it was like MTV or something. Did
0: you have to send a CV?
1: Yeah, but I don't know where that CV is.
0: This is kind of crazy that I'm picking a subject on which you're actually not even personally, you have looked, okay, let me introduce it now that our opening activity is moot. It's nice that the creative publication based out of the UK has this annual series. This is actually the 10th year that they've run this annual series called The Graduates, which is supported by their sister company, Lecture in Progress. Lecture in Progress offers advice and insight into creative work and careers. And what The Graduates is, is actually this contest that they run, and it's open to applicants who are fresh grads from around the world, and they select creatives that they think are outstanding, and then they interview them, feature them on the site, give them advice, So in conjunction with the contest, they've been running this series of articles that cover topics like how to put your portfolio together, how to put a CV together, whether or not you do postgraduate school. And the one that we shared yesterday in the briefing was how can you make your CV, or it wasn't necessarily like this, these are the rules to follow, but top creatives were interviewed to show it's nice that their CVs and to offer some advice on how to make a CV successful to be impactful and it's interesting because actually everyone had they did a good job of finding people with different views on this subject like actually some of them give contradicting views so one person says oh really stresses being humble and not being arrogant and another person says you know you should brag just straight up like she said brag so and i'm not saying either any of these people are like right or wrong i think it's just different approaches when I opened, I asked you if I could see your CV. But my CV
1: would be really boring.
0: While you do not have one, you have looked at very many.
1: I guess my CV now is my LinkedIn. I think that's like the modern CV almost.
0: Well, it's nice that also traffic specifically in creative jobs, yes. right? So it's not just about the content of the CV, like 08 to 2010, but also about how it's designed, how yeah. you are no, displaying I thought that was really
1: it. Cool. I think this whole feature is really cool. Everyone's listening to this. Podcast right now, so you can't really see it. But if you look at the way everyone's sort of gone about designing it, I have to say, I haven't received anything nearly up to this standard.
0: Well, these are also people at the very top of their field. Correct. Yes. I, I mean, I can describe some of them. Like one of them is this bright yellow and it has these 3D modeled graphics on it. All of them are quite creative essentially like they have included pictures of their work and the typography is very strong but i was going to ask you what do you look for when you're looking at
1: cvs first and foremost i i just look at the overall legibility that's a starting point
0: legibility as in easy to read
1: easy to read easy to process the information and then from there like i think the visual design as is shown in these ones I don't know if I generally look at that, but I think in general.
0: But what if it was really bad?
1: Like What if they did?
0: What if they intentionally? You're a graphic
1: designer, and tried to
0: design it, but then it turned out bad.
1: I mean, that would definitely have some sort of influence for sure. Yeah. You can't really look past that. I would say, if you're a graphic designer, then you probably naturally are inclined to create something a little bit more. I mean, up to a certain level.
0: I have actually. Also looked at my fair share of CVs, which, by the way, stands for Curriculum Vitae, and which, is it Americans call it resumes? Resumes, yeah. Yeah. Back when I was hiring at Beast, and I have seen Dude. some very badly designed ones. My favorite is this one that I think looked like a Dragon Ball Z avatar. Like they drew themselves their portrait, but in this sort of Dragon Ball Z kind of way and put mm-hmm. it on the CV.
1: I, I do recall some CVs where people gave themselves rankings.
0: Yes, this drives me nuts. Yeah. Like rankings and skills. Another subject that came up in the article was the language you use to say good things about yourself. Because the would you agree that the CV is not the place to be to undersell?
1: It's tough because there's a sense of skepticism, right? That you generally carry. There should be sort of like a... Well, if this person said they did this, maybe we'll dial it back, you know, two levels. I personally think like that. And the CV is really your foot in the door in hopes of you getting an interview. I'm interested, for your perspective, how unique do you think the CV needs to be in this day and age?
0: Do you mean in terms of design? Design.
1: Okay. Color. Like even the fact that, you know, some of these are colored, right? Traditionally... CVs are. Some people quite. say
0: this as well in their answers that as a creative, what weighs much more heavily than a CV is your portfolio. If someone had a super outstandingly designed CV, but a weaker portfolio, VS a candidate with a very strong portfolio and a normal, like just a regular CV, then I'd still go with a strong portfolio person. But like, let's say two candidates are even then I think the CV does make an impact in terms of first impression. Like that's that's where it has the most weight is when someone's first looking at, like first reviewing your application before they've seen your portfolio. If you had limited time, this is my advice, if you had limited time as a creative and you're working on putting your CV and your portfolio and your cover letter together, I'd spend way much more time on the portfolio and then the cover letter and then the CV. Like, yeah. that is the order in which yeah, I would put your I also time.
1: wonder, like, how important that document is. Like, for example, could you pitch someone in a more innovative way instead of a CV? Oh, mm. this is my Instagram mm. CV. You know mm, what I mean? Like, mm, mm.
0: but I think the content in it is still necessary. And this goes back to what I was saying about how easy or hard is it to say good things about yourself? Because I think it is meaningful to list achievements, especially for creatives. It could be very factual. Like I had solo shows in 2012, 13, 14. Like that's impactful. And maybe that would be hard for me to find online on my own. I mean, the people in this article, to answer your question, they went both sides. They were like, just be simple and readable, like you said just legible, that's enough. And then another person was like, no, you should be pushing the fold, like be unconventional. So I think it also really depends on what personality you have as a creative and where you are applying to. It wouldn't be out of the ordinary if you had more than one design CV. Like let's say you are trying to apply to this, I don't know, avant-garde studio that only does small artsy projects and probably you want to match that.
1: Let's let's kind of turn it around. If you're going to look at you know, 3,000 CVs in a week, what type of CV would you prefer to look at?
0: Oh my goodness. If I have to look at 3,000, I just want them all to be big black text on white
1: paper. So you don't even care about the design? Well, if point. I have to
0: look at 3,000, then like I, you,
1: you wouldn't think that maybe this one that's a little bit more unique, the other other ones would be a little bit more um, I think in
0: that situation where I was looking at a high volume, which for small studios I doubt is the case, then... Getting the information quickly and easily is the most important. And it would be CVs that slowed me down that would frustrate me.
1: Hmm. And do you have an expectation of where everything should be laid out in a CV? Like names at the top, followed by contact, address?
0: Yeah. In terms of content, I've actually also helped some people design theirs and gave some advice on what you should include.
1: Did they get the job? I don't know oh.
0: about this one. I think something that used to be a trend was including like personality things, like these are my hobbies, like I play tennis. I don't think that is useful. Really? You think it's useful?
1: I think it's definitely useful.
0: What what jumps out to you when you look at a CV? I remember I
1: looked at someone's CV and one of their interests was brewing kombucha and it just stuck out. Okay. Cuz I think that that's the one thing is if you're a graphic designer I just want to know like, what else you're into.
0: That's interesting. But I mean, you and I are different people, as yeah. this podcast okay, has established, checking out in person in particular because of the visual
1: references. From your perspective, maybe you can leave with one sort of tip or insight that you feel is important for a CV.
0: Something I include on my CVs that I don't see often is an objective, which will change for a creative over time. And I like to put it right at the top after your name and contact information. Sharice is looking for a small studio that does collaborative work and is interested in exploring editorial in relation to illustration or something like that, which makes it really obvious to me whether you are the right candidate for a job beyond your experiences.
1: My take would be, I like it when people take the initiative and try to provide an immediate solution to something they deem to be not so good about the the company they're coming into. If that that's makes more sense.
0: of a cover letter thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I looked at them all sort of all okay. the same. Just like if you're applying for a job, oh, okay, right? Like I think that that's one thing that immediately cuts through the noise because if someone has sort of the audacity, and I say that in a very sort of positive way of providing value to your to your company, then it cuts through the noise for sure because it, it shows that you first and foremost understand the company and secondly, you have a point of view. I don't even think it matters if you're right or wrong because they're obviously not privy to all the information internally. So they're just using sort of an outward perspective.
0: I like that. Actually, if we're talking about the entire application process,
1: all right. this
0: is what I have. Do not include attachments. I do not want a CV or a portfolio attachment and I'm ready to bet that most other people don't either.
1: When Please you say that you send it mean... as a link. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting.
0: Even the CV like for myself as well when I do send it out occasionally. Sorry I'm not leaving you, but occasionally people ask for it. It's a Dropbox link.
1: Interesting. And In my portfolio
0: I'll send either the website or also a Dropbox link to a PDF portfolio. Please don't just. I don't think creatives need their inboxes blown up any further.
1: And like, I'm I'm actually the other way because I feel like links get broken, things get moved, and they become they they sort of become antiquated.
0: Huh. Well, maybe the maybe the real takeaway from this, because you and I have disparate views, is get to know the person who you yeah. are hoping to employ you. That was my other point And too. try to serve their needs.
1: Yeah. Got it.
0: That's a good place to finish
1: things off. Yes. I need to take a nap after this. <laughs> I woke up at like 4 a.m.
0: No, I know. <laughs> it's just funny how desperate you are. If you are interested in hearing more about Macon and reading or listening to our stories that are focused on the sights and sounds of creative culture, visit us at Makin.com, M-A-E-K-A-N dot com
1: you can also subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and platforms and if you like this podcast do us a huge favor by reviewing us on iTunes or sharing this with a friend I'm Eugene I'm Sharice and this is Making It Up